KG, and this is not safe for networks. Montucky skies i'm biggs and i'm brandon so we're we got a bunch of stuff to talk about especially since we did that spielberg special last week so we're gonna inject a little bit of news into last week but we have a full set of news from this week too but we're gonna start out by talking about uh the andre the giant documentary on hbo which is really easy to remember what it's called andre the giant andre the giant yeah dude that's what a documentary should be named is just name it after the person if you can help it because it's easy to remember yeah. <laughs> i mean so uh so i asked if you'd watch this and, and you watched it what did you think it's the second best Andre the Giant documentary I've seen. Really? What was the best? I don't know the name of it. It came out about three years ago. Okay. And I, I don't even remember what it was, like, platform it was on. or. I had seen one um, maybe 10 to 15 years ago that uh, E! had run like a true Hollywood stories. Yeah, it wasn't that. I mean, it was like a true documentary. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) That's apt because the thing with the the true Hollywood stories compared to this was I listened to a lot of Bill Simmons podcasts and he executive produced this. And he had a lot to do with like shepherding this into HBO. And uh, one of the things they really wanted to do with this was separate fact from fiction. So I think they did a really good job of like, like talking about some of the the rumors that weren't true but then just not addressing other ones too like there was a rumor that he had drank 156 beers they couldn't find a single person that could confirm that that happened yeah, however got 106 six, yeah <laughs> 106 and uh rob reiner was talking about like some sort of wine that andre the giant like always drank and he was like oh that looks good how many of those you had and he's like six like i drank six of them he's like you must be kind of wasted right now and he's like no six cases (laughs) (laughs) but he he said i swear to you that this is absolutely true he drank 20 bottles of wine in a day like on the princess bride on one day when when they were when he wasn't shooting so he was like he watched him over the course of a day drink 20 bottles of wine that's fucking insane so like the truth is so crazy that like (laughs) you know what i mean and uh i had heard i read the the book that um carrie ells did on the princess bride and uh he had talked about like andre the giant farting and it being so loud and blowing out the mics and stuff. i like how they had like a whole like segment on his farting (laughs) that's the thing they spent a whole chapter in the book talking about it and the reactions on the set and him like not being able to get a hold of himself and then rob reiner twisting it away where like he felt so bad after he got through the scene that like he had to like laugh again about it because like it would have destroyed him and uh so yeah, but they spent so much. <laughs> like they probably spent like two to three minutes talking about it in the dock, which was amazing. Yeah, it just like all these people like Hulk Hogan talking about it, like filling an entire like private jet cabin, like the pilots couldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite part of the dock? <sighs> or who was your favorite person in the doc who who like spoke? I think mine was Hulk Hogan. He I did, think so too. Like when he's he I, gave a really like um heartfelt like because you know those guys were really good friends. Yeah, like it both really on screen across. and off screen. Yeah, yeah. It, it really came across in that doc, and I think like when the doc shined the most was when they were talking about WrestleMania three when it was oh, Hulk dude, Hogan I, versus Andre the Giant. Te- tears came like watching that because they did a really good job. Like, 
I mean, they went through that Hulk or WrestleMania like beat by beat. Yeah. And I just like, I, cause I remember, I remember watching that when I was a kid. I don't remember watching that particular match, but they showed like a clip of the lead up and I totally, the whole, all of a sudden the, the one that was on like the Piper's pit or whatever. I totally remember that when, when like he tore the shirt off. And yeah. When Andre te- tears his shirt off and stuff and he's with whatever guy is supposed to be like pure evil. Who is his man? Bobby the brain Heenan. Yeah, dude. So you remember wrestling way more than I do when I was a kid, but you know, it's crazy. Cause like, I had like forgotten most of that. And then, yeah, like, but I remembered watching that. But whole like thing. watch it, like seeing this documentary and everything just like came flooding back. I was like, I remember all of this. Yeah, because I was just that age where like I'm like early grade school maybe. Yeah, I was talking about this with Eric Tooten on the wrestlers with uh, or movies with wrestlers. I was podcast. just listening to that on the way over. Oh, were you? <laughs> Yeah, and I was talking about when we were kids, like, every boy loved Hulk Hogan. Like, everybody. It was so crazy. I can't even compare it to anything since then. And maybe I just, like, lost touch and don't know. But, like, it seemed like Hulk Hogan was, like, the biggest thing in the 80s to, like, boys. Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't know anybody who didn't love Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And, and, and all my schools and everything like it was all about Hulk Hogan. And so it was really cool to hear him like talking about. Se- well, first off, he's being real, which I really appreciate. Like they're they're not pretending like wrestling is a real thing, which sometimes wrestling docs can really suffer from that. Yeah. Where they talk about it like a sporting event instead of talking about like an entertaining event. It's not to say that there's not real athletics ability involved with that there absolutely is but it is like it's a manufactured story and it's usually manufactured matches and so it's like there's an art to it it's entertainment it's more entertainment than sports right or at least it's a it's a hybrid of the two yeah and so it was really nice to hear hulk hogan talking about like how he likes like drew out a whole plan for what they would do in the match. Yeah, they basically he scripted out almost the entire match except for the finale of it. Right, because he had no idea if Andre was going to win or not. Because he realized like if Andre wanted to win, Andre was going to win. Like he was just too big not to. And I think somebody from from WWF told him, you know, uh, we think Andre is going to do the right thing, but he wouldn't say it for sure to to anybody including hulk and he like said he went up to him right before the match he's like uh so what are we gonna do brother <laughs> and like no don't res- worry about it boss yeah don't worry about it boss is a response <laughs> <laughs> and he let hulk hogan win because he realized it was time to like pass the torch but yeah it, it was really touching the way that they did the whole thing and set it up i really liked the interviews vince mcmahon who i feel like is kind of a piece of shit most of the time, like it was really nice to hear him candidly talking about it because he's he such an a, important part to that story. You know, he had a lot of really good stuff to say, and then you saw like the asshole Vince McMahon show through at the end. Yeah, like he's like, I didn't care. You know, he didn't really say that, but like that's what it came across to me as is like we just well, I like, had I had a business to run. Like I didn't like keep in touch with him or anything yeah well they were talking about how um andre the giant basically um like uh after he wasn't able to wrestle anymore like he had a chip on his shoulder with vince mcmahon and so they they fell apart right like they, they stopped hanging out and they asked him this question. I think it was because uh, he realized he was like saying like we weren't close when he died, and so he said, "Was there anybody who you've ever known before um, who affected you more than that when he died?" And I think he said Andre was the most incredible performer I've ever seen, or something like that. He said something like that, and it was one of those things. It was so guarded the way he said it, like it was a way to say like he was an asshole, and I don't care in a way but it was also like acknowledging that he was good yeah it was definitely like that was the moment i was just like oof that's cold the way he talked about it but um 
It was kind of interesting hearing about like wrestling kind of hitting cable too, because that's so important. You know, it was really interesting. I thought that was kind of an interesting part because they really talked about how wrestling during going leading up through the seventies, going into the eighties, was really fractured in the United States. There was what there were two different conferences or. Yeah, there was like regions where people yeah. would go to wrestle, and sometimes they would like double over into another region. But yeah. you know, they had their own stories and everything. And basically, going on, the so. WWF was in the Northeast. I think they were like based out of Boston, or no, it was New York. And basically, they had the whole Northeast. And once they got the cable deal with USA, they basically took over everything. Yeah. So what they didn't talk about in that documentary, which um, if you watch this, I hi- like this documentary and you enjoy it, I highly recommend you listen to one of Bill Simmons' most recent podcasts where he talks with the director of the documentary. And they go all into like how the documentary was made, some of the things they did behind the scenes, like the decisions they made, and like a whole bunch of history leading into it. That like was not covered in the documentary because it didn't necessarily serve Andre the Giant's story. But they talk a bunch about how Vince McMahon, you know, basically had to get all of these regions to eventually go along. And some of them were mobbed up. So it like it wasn't like a simple thing to be like, no, you're going to join it and like force them into it because like you could fucking get a lead case in the back of your head. Yeah. So it was like, it was really interesting hearing that. So I really implore people to listen to that uh, Bill Simmons podcast after you watch the documentary before it doesn't matter. Like it's a true story that they're telling. So you don't really have to worry about stuff getting spoiled. You know, it's more just like talking about this super interesting person. who's like as much myth as like, man, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, he dabbled in myth, like just being a wrestler. I mean, and the guy is just so huge. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in that doc, too, was watching when he's on the six million dollar man and they had him dressed up as Bigfoot. And he's like chasing the six million dollar man, but he's like chasing him holding a tree. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that he pulled like like the scene he like pulled the tree like obviously it wasn't like really attached but right. like he pulled the tree out of the ground and was chasing because it looks like this like Lee Majors is gonna stand up to him and then like he pulls the tree out and runs after him with the tree <laughs> it's just like and then he just turns tail and runs like and I had heard about that forever and like seen clips and laughed at it. I never realized that was Andre the Giant never. dressed up as Bigfoot. I had no idea. You, How would you know? <laughs> uh, and I do want to say one thing. I already picked the cover art for this episode. Not covered in the documentary, but Arnold Schwarzenegger does talk a little bit on the documentary. There's this like super famous picture. That picture. I was yes. hoping it would show up in that documentary, but well, it didn't. Well, it, it's it's the cover for the podcast, fortunately, but it is on this uh, like right off of the set of Conan the Destroyer and Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> And Andre the Giant are to the like on or Will Chamberlain is in the to picture the to the left, and Andre the Giant is to the right, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the middle, and Will Chamberlain and Arnold Schwarzenegger, or excuse me, Will Chamberlain and Andre the Giant are holding up Arnold Schwarzenegger like he's a fucking child, <laughs> and he's like he's like a good foot off of the ground. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so if for some reason you're listening to this and you haven't seen the cover art, like check it out for this episode or just Google like Will Chamberlain, Andre the Giant, Arnold Schwarzenegger in some order and it'll come up. I mean, I'm sure if you even just do two of the three, it'll come yeah. up, but it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love that picture because uh Schwarzenegger isn't a small dude. No. He's like <laughs> he's he's like six one, six two. And it just really emphasizes how huge these two are. And like the thing is, is like it looks like Andre the Giant is as tall as Will Chamberlain, but he's so much bigger. Yeah. Because like Will Chamberlain is like who is fucking athletic as shit. Looks like a beanpole next to Andre the Giant, man. That guy was just huge in every dimension, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I uh, my uncle met Andre the Giant. No shit. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, he was doing a match in Butte, and I don't know what the timeline. I think it was late seventies, about the time I was born, probably. Okay. And he was doing like an or autograph signing outside, and like, like shook hands with him, and like. I mean, his fucking, like, banana hands. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I got to tell you, too, I'm really glad that you like this documentary because, like, I we were talking through text a little bit, and I had no idea if you were actually, like, enthused to watch this oh, or I, not. But I thought you would really like it because, like, I remember you your eyes lighting up a little bit when we are doing the Princess Bride commentary. But moreover, I remember writing an article on, like, the... um think it was like the toughest athletes of all time or something like that yeah and it was more talking about constitutions of people like shit that they dealt with but i remember you brought up andre the giant in like the comment section and so like i just that always stuck with me so i always like i've always been like a fan of andre the giant yeah like, since i was a little kid man he's the best man <laughs> You know, um, God, I wish I could remember the name of that other documentary. That one, see, the difference between these two documentaries, the other one was really, really good, but it was more his personal life Uh that they delved into, like him growing up as a child, him doing, like, him joining the service when he was turned of age. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he ended up, I think he got discharged because he was too fucking big like the uniforms wouldn't fit him and shit yeah like and so and then like <clears throat> he went he was touring around france like his early years like just you know doing wrestling in barns sort of thing yeah like his early years of that i mean they really didn't it didn't really touch on his wwe or wwf it's more career. like who this was as a person rather yeah than- and see the this Andre the Giant that just steps or premiered on uh, HBO. This is more about like his, his career, his career, the, yeah. The and WWF, not not just like career, but like what he's going through as his career is going right, like, right. Yeah, like they touch on those things, but the main focus is the wrestling and uh, just his fame, I guess. Like a lot on yeah. his fame for sure. Because they talked a lot about how he, he couldn't disappear into a crowd. like it Literally just, can't. Yeah, like it's not possible. And he would say a few times like that he wished he could just be a normal person for a day just so that he didn't have to like hear all the things. They didn't even cover in the documentary. And I guess it was something they got a lot on. But they had like they wanted to keep it a tight documentary. So it's like. I think when you cut out the commercials at the beginning and the credits, it's about an hour 20. And uh, they, like, didn't get time to really talk about this. But, like, children would just, like, run away from him all the time. Like, they would see him and just be fascinated and then just fucking run away from him. Because, like, they just couldn't believe it. It was too big. You know, they would hear about it. And they'd be like, when are we going to see the giant? When are we going to see the giant? And then they'd finally see him. And they'd just look and then just run away, like, in fear. Yeah, they. I mean, they they touch on some of that a little bit where, like, um, you know, if, like, Hulk Hogan and um, Andre would be in an airport and Andre, would, like, his fucking just taking steps, like, even to Hulk Hogan is like two to one. Yeah. So he'd like end up falling behind and he could just hear people talking in the background, just like saying fucking things. just awful, awful shit. Yeah. I don't understand that. Like I would see him and I would just be like odd, but I don't know. I was odd by him when I was a kid too. So I, I think the Prince's bride was really, that was the thing that I really remembered with Andre the giant the most. Like when I was a kid was like, seeing that and i remember being excited it was andre the giant so i must have known who he was before but like i you know i have no idea i i, I don't know when i <sighs> became aware of him but i know i was really into wwf for like a couple years of my childhood but not a lot of it sticks with me now like sometimes something jogs memory uh like a little memory here and there the one thing i really remember was sergeant slaughter turning heel 
Yeah. And like waving the, uh, the Iraqi out flag. The, uh, Iron Sheik. Yeah. <laughs> and like waving the Iraqi flag, which totally makes sense. But I always remember that because I was like a big G.I. Joe fan and he was a G.I. Joe in the cartoon. Do so you, that one really bit me when I was a kid. Do you remember they had a like a WWF cartoon? Yes. Yeah. I do remember. <laughs> and oh, fuck, what was it? Uh, was it Captain Samoa or something that had the fucking Captain rubber- Albino? That had the rubber bands Captain on his Captain Albino, face. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's also in the video at the beginning of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Albano, not... Oh, Albano. Albano, you're right, yeah. Dude, I never, like... It, like, watching Glow sort of reminded me of, like, how much they play off of, like, racial stereotypes and stuff for wrestling. Because, like, they had the whole thing where they were talking about the Russians and, like, yeah. everybody's, like, putting on the accents. And then, like, <clears throat> like I was like, yeah, that feels pretty true. I vaguely remember that because I remember, like, the Iron Sheik, how bad that was and stuff. But then, like, you watch this documentary on Andre the Giant and it's like, oh, yeah, that was totally a thing. Like, like way more than I remember. Like, Hulk Hogan was supposed to be an Irish thing. That's the only reason he had the last <laughs> name Hogan was so that, like like Irish people had somebody to, to root for. Yeah. Cause they had talked about like the junkyard dog being like, I can't remember which conference or whatever he came out of, but the WWE, when they were conglomerating, everything were like picking the best of the best out of like different mm-hmm. conferences to like get as much as big of a fan base as they could. So I, I mean, it was really, it was a really good documentary. I mean, yeah. I mean, I will say, like I said, it was the second best Andre the Giant <laughs> documentary. Best one I've seen, but I haven't seen the one you're talking about either. Yeah. And if you get a chance, that other one is really good. But this one, totally available on HBO anytime you want to watch it. So, well, moving on. Um, <clears throat> so, moving to another documentary here. So, one of my all time favorite documentaries is The King of Kong. And there was oh I I read something about this today. Have you seen this documentary yet? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's so fucking good. It's called The King of Kong: Fistful of Quarters. It's so fucking great. And like this guy, um, Steve Weeby. It follows Steve Weeby. He he becomes unemployed. They don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't remember how much they really touch on it, but essentially, I think the guy is probably like on the spectrum for autism. I think so. Yeah. And uh, he just sits there and plays for like hours a Donkey Kong. Like he bought a stand up Donkey Kong machine and just becomes obsessed with it. And so it follows him as he decides he's going to go to set the world record. And it's so like. I told my mom about this and I, I like I put it on but I don't I don't actually tell her what it's about and I'm like you're just going to have to trust me that you're going to enjoy this. Like you are going to enjoy this documentary because I didn't care about the subject matter when it was told to me but like I watched the documentary and it's just fucking entertaining and so she watched it when she was visiting here. I want to say it was like her last visit. Maybe it was like two visits ago like Maybe it was around Thanksgiving she watched it. But she was so into it that, like, we got on the internet and, like, looked further. Because documentary is, like, 10 years old now. And found out that more people had set records on Donkey Kong since then. Well, he was... Well, he had the record. He doesn't have it anymore. Well, we'll get to that. And we'll, we'll get... We'll... But we'll get to that. But, I mean, beyond what the, what we're about to talk about, somebody else who was not in that documentary holds the all time Donkey Kong record now, Yeah, but he was not the first to a million. So in this documentary, um, so Steve Wiebe becomes the first person, like he sets the all time record. He becomes the first person to reach a million in Donkey Kong. And so he gets investigated by uh twin galaxies who, who holds all these records. Yeah. Which they kind of work with, they work with, with uh, Guinness. Yeah. Like a Guinness book of world records takes all of their stuff from twin galaxies. And right. that's right. And so they're, they're concentrated on the old stand up arcade games, right? Like they, that's, that's their area of specialty. So you can only use these arcade games. So anyway, in the documentary, I'm not going to, spoil the whole thing but essentially they have this other guy named billy mitchell it's so fucking funny the way that they show him because like 
he's like the wonder kid in the 80s like he's in all these like nintendo commercials and on covers for nintendo power and sets all of these records and he's like the one that all of the these people talk about and by the way every single character in like in this documentary is just you look at them and they're like the most pathetic people you would feel like you know what i mean like you'd be like i wouldn't be able to talk to this guy for like 10 minutes no but like it's so heartwarming the way that they do it and so funny like that one guy is like really he's watching steve weeby try and set the record and he's just like really like kind of talking shit and he's like friends with billy mitchell and then he's seeing how good the dude's doing and they have a kill screen which means like you play so long that at a certain point the video game just makes you die because it's run out of code to go through and so he's like they call it a kill screen so he's going around the arcade and he keeps coming up to people who are like trying to play and don't give a fuck and he's like so uh there's gonna be a kill screen in about five minutes if you want to come check it out like <laughs> just over and over again it's just so funny but billy mitchell who holds all these records is like painted as such a villain in this and uh he like challenges Steve Weeby to come down to New York. Like he's, I think Steve Weeby is in Seattle and he challenges him to come down to New York and play Donkey Kong against him. And then he doesn't fucking show up yeah. like to play against him. But Steve Weeby winds up breaking the record while he's there. And then all of a sudden, like this videotape gets delivered from, from, uh, Billy Mitchell. And it's, it's fucking, it's on this VHS tape. And they pop it in, and it's him breaking the record allegedly like five days before before uh, um, Steve Weeby breaks the record. And it's got this point in it where like the tracking goes and you can't see the screen. And, all, and so like it looks sketchy as fuck, but everybody just takes it as like, except for Steve Weeby, of course, but everybody else just takes it as like, oh yeah, it must be legit, like Billy's so good. And so they really paint Billy Mitchell as this villain, and I've heard a couple, like a couple of people who know him since then, they're like, well, the documentary painted him as more of a villain, you know? But like this dude, he's such a villain in this documentary, and you just fucking hate him, and, and you so want him to lose. Yeah, like, and he's so greasy looking. Yeah, he's got like a mullet. And- he's got a mullet, and he's fucking like, he wears a members-only jacket all the time and like it's so pathetic but like in this world he's king so you really kind of hate this guy well twin galaxies i believe today yeah just stripped his record in donkey kong and said he was not the first to a million like they found all of this evidence they opened it up to all like all random people on the internet to to provide evidence instead of just members of twin galaxies and it seems like they saw enough proof where they well, saw, like, what? he was playing on an emulator. Yeah. He was not playing on a stand-up machine. And they showed that some stuff with the graphics, there's no way that the machine could produce those. It had to be an emulator. Exactly. And that's, here's the thing. If it's on a... You're like, why is it a big deal with an emulator? If you know what an emulator is, it basically... It emulates, like, a video game, right? A video but, system, right. typically. So here's here's why that's a big deal, dude. I've I've played some some emulators before and you can cheat with them. Like they have little cheats built in or you can program cheats into it really big. You can't do that with an arcade game. You can or at least with these guys cuz they'll examine the game after you break the record. Yeah, and you know cuz I thought about that after I cuz I re- I'm pretty sure I read something about it today and um the thing about playing on an emulator is that's different from playing that in the actual console or arcade or whatever it is, is, um, you know, the way the timing and stuff is set up on like a stand-up arcade system, it can totally be manipulated on an emulator. Yeah. So... You, you know, some of the things that might have been, been more difficult on a stand-up machine, you can see coming a lot easier on an emulated system. And then there's one other practical thing I'd like to bring up. Let's just take cheating out of it for a second. Um, when you're playing a stand-up machine, you have a joystick and, like, your button for Donkey Kong, right? I think it's, like, one button for, like, jump. I thought it was jump and the hammer. 
No, because a hammer goes automatically in Donkey Kong. It yeah, just right. keeps so hammering. So you got to jump. So you even have to time your hammer right. To, well, no. Actually, I think every barrel that comes towards you, you smash. But anyway, you're just saying it because of old school Nintendo, it had two buttons. So. Yeah. Anyway, so you have that on the arcade. You have your joystick. You have your one button. Dude, how much more comfortable are like using and like controllers nowadays? And like, if you have like a, a Xbox controller, you can plug it into your computer and play an emulator. Like, how much more comfortable are those than actual joysticks? Like, in yeah. theory, joysticks are like cool because they look cool and you got that big red ball and stuff and it looks awesome. But it's fucking murder on your hand after a while, especially if you're the type of dude who's going like. 90 plus levels on donkey kong that shit's gonna like hurt your fucking wrist after a while you know what i mean like you're gonna get that in the center of your wrist with like a controller nah you can do that shit all day and it won't be a big deal so like just the practicality of it is different you know it'd be like playing golf but like i don't know like using a fucking baseball bat to putt instead of like a putter <laughs> Maybe that's a bad example, but it's it's just a different tool that you're using that does the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um So I guess what I really wanted to like end this little segment with is uh Billy Mitchell, you're a cheater, and I hope your barbecue sauce company fails as a result. <laughs> it's got a fucking barbecue sauce. Oh yeah, company. it's all over that documentary because they they keep juxtaposing it with Stephen Weber, who's like between jobs, and then he starts substitute teaching and stuff, and uh, and then meanwhile, like Billy Mitchell is just has Billy his, Weber. Uh, no, Billy Mitchell. Uh, Stephen Weber is the guy who's unemployed. No, oh. and like the hero that sound of the right. doc. Uh, Steve Weeby, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Steven Weeber is the guy from Wings. <laughs> Wings. <laughs> That's right. But uh, Billy Mitchell like has like a successful barbecue sauce company mm. that he keeps talking about. He keeps talking about he doesn't have time to go hang out with people because he's busy wrapping barbecue sauce. But they're like showing him he's like he's talking to people at the arcade, like all his like henchmen basically, and he's just like What's going on? Who's over there? Who's over there? Like every time he's supposed to be at the thing, he's just asking everybody who's there and what's happening like on the phone. And he never shows up because he's so fucking weird and socially awkward. But uh, I hope I hope your barbecue sauce company fails, Billy Mitchell. You're a cheater. You're a fucking cheater. And I'm glad I'm glad you went down, dude. I'm glad. I'm glad this is going to be like. A fucking footnote. Dude, it was like trending on Facebook pretty high, too. I was all over Yahoo today. Yeah. (laughs) It's so weird that this is such a big story, but like, I love it, man. I'm so happy. It's such a great postscript to that story because he's a fucking cheater. Anyway, um, moving on. So, uh, so there was this whole thing with like Stan Lee with this elder abuse going on, and it's, crazy it is fucking crazy i mean just to basically break it down there's like three guys and his daughter seem like they're trying to take advantage of him in different ways and squeeze him for more money or whatever and uh we so we had a a point we had like a really heavy conversation before uh we podcasted and decided to not include it where there was this talk about like Stan Lee going to massage parlor and like treating the um the masseuses like trying to to get hand jobs and stuff out of them and we decided to not talk about it because it was like I don't know like something about it just didn't feel right it wasn't cuz it was Stan Lee it was just like I was keeping in mind this is a dude like in his late 90s and it's not to excuse anything that he may or may not have done, but it's just something about it didn't feel right. It wasn't like anybody coming forward and saying anything. It was yeah. like leaked rumors was the thing. And so ultimately I decided because it wasn't anybody stepping forward, we weren't going to talk like about it. it wasn't like any real evidence or something or evidence d- d- coming up. If, as far as I'm concerned, if some like if one of these people, if somebody comes forward and talks about it, you know, like their own experience, then we're going to talk about it on the show because I really feel like, 
with rape culture and everything, it's it's we would just be falling into the same trap of not talking exactly. about this stuff. But nobody was coming forward that I saw and like talking about it. It was like it was whispers about it or whatever. And like until somebody came forward and said something, I, I just decided like we weren't going to talk about it. what we're talking about now because apparently one of these people was like leaking that out but was basically trying to do it to discredit one of the other guys because they were all working against each other. It's just this really fucked up situation. And then Stan Lee sent out a video that TMZ got where he's saying he's going to sue the asses off of some people talking about like things that they didn't know with his relationship with his daughter and other people. But I noticed when I was listening to it, he didn't really address any of the actual things. And so you can read into it. A lot of yeah, different ways for what he weird. knows what he's talking about with the video. And I just, I've worked with so many people that age where I'm like, he might not remember certain things are happening. Like, I don't know where his memories are sitting. So, and it, this is just a hard one to talk about because I don't doubt that people are taking advantage of him. But I also don't doubt that there's like somebody who wants people to think that like people are taking advantage of him and like, cooking up stories so i don't even know where to go yeah i mean his daughter that is like front and center of this i mean she's 67 years old Mm -hmm. herself yeah yeah and they're talking about her like she's a petulant little 20 year old too so i just don't know i I don't know where to go with all this i don't know what's true and what's not but i did see the other thing was like trending on this last night at least was uh uh, Kevin Smith, yeah, offered to put him up. Like, you can fucking come live with me and get away from this shit. Yeah, or all your fans can like kick in and, and get you get you a house to, to come in. <laughs> Just like a, it was a nice thing to say. Um, yeah, I know Stan Lee's. Well, um, Kevin Smith. Let's see. He he had Stanley on Mallrats. He like did this. I think it was like an hour and a half documentary where he, he like interviews Stan Lee. It was before Kevin yeah. Smith was like famous for doing those things. And I have the DVD somewhere. I watched it once I and really it enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> and then he's also like talked to him for like fat man on Batman. And then in addition to that, like hosted Q and A's where Stan Lee was there. So like he's, he's hosted Q and A's and there was also, Oh, there was something on, I'm going to say it was A&E, but it was like a a thing where they like were like together on something like collaboration sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, so, I mean, like he's worked with him on numerous occasions. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely connected with them. But um, I, I would like to say more on the elder abuse thing, but I just I don't know what's real. The article's there if people want to read it and get into there's the There's lots of articles out there. Yeah, it seems like there's like a power struggle with people around him for sure. You know, I, I don't doubt that. But in terms of what's true and what's not, it's just hard to hash it all out. But elder abuse is definitely a real thing, especially definitely with people's a real money. Thing. So, um there's like a weird thing about him like selling his blood and mixing it with ink and using pens to like sign certain things that had his blood in it and like yeah that was one of the stories that was out that yeah it's it's fucking weird it's just a lot of weird stuff you know what it kind of reminds me of do you remember when ted williams was close to dying and uh like he had like a son that was basically getting him into all these weird business ventures as he was losing his faculty. And one of them was like, when he died, they had him decapitated and then like froze his head. Like that was a thing. I thought it was whole body. Uh, maybe it was that I thought it was his head, but maybe it was his whole body. Who knows, dude, it was fucking a lot of weirdness. (sighs) And it was like this dude just collecting checks from like all these other people using his, his, uh, father's name, but as, ugh just gross but um i remember we were talking about stanley when we went to see big hero six and we reviewed it back when that was brand new (laughs) they had a stanley cameo and like they had the stinger at the end where like stanley was like calling back to to, the tj miller joke talking about underwear how you could wear it like 
two days like normal two days like you flip it around two days you like wear it like backwards and then you like flip yeah. it around again and i was like imploring like stanley's caregiver to like do a better job taking care of it so apparently i nailed it on the head right there but there's some more tj miller shit to talk about that you wanted to bring up. I, i'm not privy to this but you should bring it up so tj miller was arrested this week for calling in bomb threats on trains. What? So, evidently, he was on a train in New York State and called in to the authorities that somebody on the train had a briefcase with a bomb in it. So, they uh, stopped the train. Everybody dis... Uh, like got off the train they had like fucking bomb people come in and search the entire train found nothing um i guess they called him back he's like no it was this other lady was on there and so they had to like do the whole fucking thing again it turns out he was on a third train and so they had to stop that train and search it and so he's probably going to prison for calling in bomb threats on train dude he has lost his mind if he ever had it to begin with but i i feel bad that i ever laughed at any of his jokes honestly like that was one thing in ready player one i really didn't like was when like tj miller was doing the voice of that guy and i just couldn't help but think about all the shit that's come up with like him raping raping that girl in college and like the whisper campaign with female comedians and then later uh reading about his thing his last season in silicon valley he was like drunk every day on the set didn't want to be there and was making everybody around him's like life's just hell and then like hearing him on an interview in the nerdist and him talking about like how spielberg like had this like sweetheart deal with him and he's going to be in all the spielberg's movies after this and like the stand-up special that was fucking awful and oh, just God, like shit was feeling terrible like i watched the deadpool 2 trailers and every time they show them like i want to laugh at the jokes there but i just keep thinking about the fact like all the shit that tj miller's done and i just feel horrible that he's in it you know i just fuck that guy yeah fuck that guy man i don't know so yeah I guess he was really fucking drunk on a train. Decide that would have been funny. <laughs> what a douche. <sighs> but, um, but Silicon Valley has been fucking killing it. Yeah, Silicon Valley is really funny. We were talking about this on the porch, but that the most uh, recent episode they had this thing where uh, <laughs> Guilfoyle uh, has this this awful awful noise where it's like a metal <laughs> song. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> And it has this guitar riff, and it's every time it plays, there's all these coders around, and everybody just jumps every time it plays. And it's his warning that Bitcoin has either jumped like really high or really low. So he could turn off his like mining machine at home. Yeah. <laughs> it just it just constantly goes off, and it's so fucking funny. You know what? This season is really like the best. My favorite joke is because Silicon Joe Valley knows how to make a great dick joke. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that first, a, the, at the end of the first season is legendary. Best dick joke ever. Yeah. They did a really good one with the because they were uh, Gavin Belson's trying to like <laughs> yeah, invent the, the box, signature the on signature his box. box. And he's like, "Well, this one did all right, and we tested out a couple of different signatures, but this one did like ninety six percent." Yeah, like his signature is terrible and denotes a psychopath, basically. <laughs> and so he immediately fires the person who like gives him the honest news about it, and then like they start crowdsourcing signatures to get the best one and. <laughs> The one he chooses that they really like is so clearly a drawing of a dick done in his signature. And that's the one they go with. And nobody's going to tell him no because he just fired somebody who told him the truth. 
It's so great. That show is just fucking killing it. It's so much better than it was last season. Like, and I enjoyed it last season, but like, that was another thing. Like, TJ Miller was starting to grade on me in that show before I knew all of this shit. Yeah. He just, and you could tell he didn't give a fuck and he didn't want to be there anymore. And like, now that they've like gotten him out of the show, it's just fucking delightful. I just, you know, it's funny, like, the stuff they've mined out of his character. Oh, yeah. That with Jin Yang. Yeah. He's such a slime ball, like, little. I don't know. <laughs> like that guy is just a slime ball and he's basically setting it up like like he died and so he's like mailing like a pig he to like, like put in a coffin and stuff and like just fakes his death so he can inherit. Yeah, all he of goes his to stuff. court to get the house and he like <laughs> cremates his pig and like brings the pig remains with him. <laughs> it's so awful. <laughs> Yeah, this show's really killing it this year. Well, good news because Silicon Valley just got renewed for another season. So Mike Judge has said it might be the last season unless somebody's got a good idea. So it's not for sure going to be the last season that they get renewed for. But so far, it's looking like it'll be the last season. So it sounds like they'll go out strong because this season has been fucking great. It's really been enjoyable. How great is Mike Judge? Yeah, he's he's amazing. Like, I don't love everything he's done, but I love, like, 90% of the things he's done, you know? Yeah. God, the guy can make a killer workplace movie, TV show. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, think of how different Beavis and Butthead, Daria, and King of the Hill all are. And they all, like, made a mark on culture for sure. Like, yeah. They're all very different shows. And then you like take into account like a lot of his idiocracy is a fucking like comic classic, like Office Space is a comic classic. I liked Extract. I mean, it didn't I like. did not. I really wanted to like Extract. I just never got into it. <laughs> uh, maybe I should watch it one more time. I really liked the Mexican guy's character is fucking great. I can't even remember. I only saw it once. So. That- that guy, whenever he shows up on TV or film, like, I fucking laugh my ass up. Because he was, uh, oh, what was the movie? Oh, Boondock Saints 2. Like, fucking hilarious character. Um, Well, other shows that have been renewed, um, the, transitioning away from that, um, Jessica Jones is going to get another season. So good on him. Best Netflix season so far of all the um, Marvel shows. And uh, Barry already got renewed for another season. So that the Hitman show I was talking about with Bill Hader. I did watch the pilot for that. What'd you think? It was interesting. I I haven't watched any of the stuff yet, but the rest of my family didn't care for it as much as I did. I thought it was really... I enjoyed it. Yeah. I I really liked the first two episodes. I haven't seen the third one yet because I showed the pilot to my wife and she was into it. So she's got to catch up so that I can watch it too. Cause it's, it's apparently going to be one of our shows now. So <laughs> I may not be super current on it all the time, but, um, and then other bill hater news, uh, he is being, con- or he's in talks also with James McAvoy to start with Jessica Chastain and it too, which begins filming this summer in Toronto. So that's encouraging when you get like, really good actors and for those roles it's sounding like bill haters being considered for the richie part which is the internet was like just going on going off about how he should be that role so good casting <laughs> uh richie was the comedian yeah or the, the the kid he grows up to be a comedian but um and then like other hbo series news so did you hear about the whole Westworld spoiler thing? Uh, sort of. This is fantastic, dude. So, um, so Jonathan Nolan, who's Chris Nolan's brother, who writes most of his shit with Chris Nolan, and uh, and he cre- was one of the creators of Westworld. So. Word came out over and over again last season that he was really upset that, like, basically Reddit figured out all the twists in Westworld. 
And like, I read about it like three or four episodes into the show. And I was like, that makes sense. And as I was watching the show, it was like, yeah, that's pretty spot on it. They, they absolutely nailed it. I won't repeat it for people. I haven't been able to watch Westworld yet, but, um, it really seemed like, uh, he was upset about all of this. And so he went to Reddit and he said, look, I, if this post gets like, I don't know, it was like 10,000 upvotes or something like that. He was like, I'm going to post a video that spoils the second season, but I'm going to put it on you guys to not tell people, you know, you'll know it. So you don't have to sit there and speculate, but I don't want you telling people who haven't seen the show that, you know, what, what's going to happen. And so it was this really weird moment where people were freaking out. I was like, is he really doing this? And I got like way more votes up votes than it needed. So he posts this video and it's like, it's set up. You see, um, like, uh, one of the characters at the beginning talk about waking up on a beach and not knowing how he got there. And then like they show, uh, a couple of the main characters in Westworld and they start playing a piano and singing and so, like, they did this a little bit in the first season, and they were singing, like, a Nirvana song and, like, stuff like that. Like, it was always, like, they did this thing in the first episode, the pilot in particular, where whenever they go into, um, like, a saloon or something to sort of differentiate that, like, this is the the world with robots, they would have all of this stuff that wasn't done quite right. And one of it was, like, the music cues. They did, like, a Nine Inch Nails song. They did a Nirvana song. They did a couple of Nirvana songs. Yeah, but they did it, like, in the old honky-tonk style. Well, they did it on, like, the player piano. Yes. So in this, they're sitting there playing piano and they're singing, but they're singing... Never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down. So they do the whole Rick roll thing, and then it has like a dog in front of a piano and stuff in the video. <laughs> like, so fucking great, dude. So great, man. He just Rick rolled all of Reddit. I love it, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> it's so great. He got his revenge. <laughs> so I thought that was definitely worth mentioning because. That's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Game of Thrones. Yeah. News. They just finished wrapping um, an episode. It was actually a battle scene. Two and a half months. Fifty-five day. Yeah. Was a, the recording time on that. Yeah, I read all in all they they worked or shoot time. Yeah, I, I read overall they worked on two and a half months on that scene. So that's probably like pre production as well. Like, and it beat the previous record, which was an entire month, which was for the Battle, the of, Battle Bastards of Bastards episode. Yeah. Like, that's crazy, dude. So, like, most movies don't even get that much time to like shoot a film. Period. Yeah. You know, like some big budget movies do, but not like not your normal film that you see. That's craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Stop bitching about how long it's taken to get the next season Dude, of if Game it, of Thrones. If they're shooting for 55 days, I mean, that's like Peter Jackson level shit. Dude, like, that's beyond it. Let's be real here, dude. I don't think no, there's like, any scenes in Lord of the Rings that took that long for like uh, a battle scene. I think the Battle of the Five Armies took that long. Ugh. But I mean it that was like the penultimate battle for that show or that movie though. Yeah. So I mean you're up there with that level of caliber, like that's I can't wait to see that on screen. Um, so kind of in the same vein, uh, production of Lord of the Rings, uh, the series for Amazon, they're saying now may cost five billions to produce the five seasons they're planning for Amazon. One billion dollars, dude. That's 200 million a season. They're really fucking banking on this shit doing well. (laughs) It's craziness. God, I you know what I don't I don't see the market there for it. I mean, there's a market. I just don't know if they're gonna hit it because the Hobbit. I mean, most people didn't like those movies for the most part. You know, 
yeah. I mean, I, I watched them, but... I mean, I did too, but... Uh, Handsome Dwarf. <laughs> fuck, I don't know. I just... I just don't... I just don't see it. It also has Especially to... Especially being like an Amazon, like... It also contractually has to start filming in two years. Wow. Yeah, so you have like a $1 billion budget riding on this potentially, and they have to start filming in two years. They don't have a choice. It's part of the contract, or they're in breach of contract. Um, also, they reached out to Peter Jackson, and it's his prerogative if he wants to join the show as an executive producer or not, and can be as involved as he wants to be, so... Which is interesting. They're really hanging it on Peter Jackson. How much do you think Peter Jackson really wants to be involved in that? I don't think he does anymore. I, I mean, maybe I don't maybe see it either. Like, that, well, there's there's two schools of thought on this. I I think like one is like he doesn't want to be involved because he was just. I mean, we talked about this on the podcast before, but he came out and said that uh, he made a mistake with the Hobbit movies. Like he wasn't totally on board and knowing like when they wanted to expand it from two movies to three, he didn't know what he was gonna do. And he said he made a mistake because he weakened all of them by like deciding to stretch it out and just not having enough material. Um, So I don't think he's going to want to be involved because of that. But then maybe it's like a redemptive thing. Maybe he's like, this is my way to make up for that. I don't know, but we'll see. I know they're reaching out to him. I don't know if, if he's going to be a part of it or not, but. I don't know. I like they put that show on Amazon. I'm totally going to fucking watch it. I'm at least going to watch one, you know, because it sounds like they're pouring real fucking money into this, you know. So I'm really curious what they're going to come up with. But I mean, you're not going to necessarily sell me by just saying Lord of the Rings. You have to put something good on the screen. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like it's a good world. It's a well-established world. Like there's a it's a pretty fertile world. But what are you going to do in it? Do you have five seasons of a TV show? I don't know. You know, so I am interested to see what comes up there. Also, it's going to be really fucking annoying when they drop that shit at midnight and there's like a bunch of people who like when you wake up at 10 in the morning have already watched the entire run of the first season. (laughs) You know that's going to happen. It happens with like every streaming show with any kind of fanfare. So... Let's see what else. Oh, you were talking about something with the stand. So, um, the Stephen King, the stand is going to be a 10 hour or is, uh, contracted to be a 10 hour miniseries on CBS streaming. Oh, so the CBS all access. Yes. Hmm. That's interesting to me. I was really excited when you started to bring it up, but then I was waiting to see what platform. And I don't know, because Star Trek Discovery is great, but there's nothing else on there other than maybe After Trek that I watch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested, though. So far, they got uh, Jason Boone, who did the uh, New Mutants. Okay. As director on that. Um. Wow, this is a lot of garbage in this article. Um, Looks like they're trying to get Matthew McConaughey as Randall Flagg. Why? They already got him as Randall Flagg. Well, they're trying to cross him over onto the miniseries. But I mean, because he was in the Dark Tower. Yeah, he was in the Dark Tower. Yeah, so they're trying to interconnect all this stuff, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm starting to talk myself it's, out of this. I do feel like the miniseries like wasn't super great. I didn't think it was super great at the time. I really liked the book, and I felt like having it on TV was. Not the right move. Yeah. <sighs> um, but CBS All Access, I mean, they can do things like they they, they don't have like they can swear, they can show nudity. So 
they did on Star Trek Discovery. So, you know, I guess. I, I feel like it's a better avenue than just straight CBS, but like. Yeah, definitely. I'm kind of wait like, and see on this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am interested in, like, revisiting The Stand, though. That was a really good book. It was a really good book. And it could be done just... Like, you can't do it as a movie, I don't think, because there's, there's too so much. There's so much material there to do in a There's movie. so much material, and it's so much material that I don't think you can do in, like, a bunch of sequels. So I do think, like, a miniseries is perfect for it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll put a we'll see. What did... I'm trying to remember... Cause you watched the the first the original Stan miniseries, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, it was like five hour. It was pretty long. Um, I think it was like I want to say it was like five parts. So I feel it, like it was five parts, but I can't remember how long. And I think if they, they were, were hour or hour. And I half. think when you take out the commercials, they were all like. Well, they might have been an hour and a half runtime, or there would have been like time, about like forty-five an minutes an hour, right? So five hours, forty-five minutes an hour—that'd be like ninety minutes, uh, one hundred eighty minutes. I don't know. I don't know, dude. It would have been somewhere around like four and a half hours, I think. Like it was two big VHS cassettes. Yeah. When you watched it on video. So I remember watching it live and then watching it later on video. And like when I watched it live, I was kind of like, eh. And then I rewatched it and I was still like, eh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember being totally, eh. Yeah. Yeah. That was back when they were like doing every big Stephen King thing as an ABC miniseries. And I feel like that only worked with it. So. Yeah, double and back. Dude, yeah. Stephen King, really hot again all of a sudden, but only his old shit. <laughs> <laughs> and not the Dark Tower. So I don't know why they want to revisit with Matthew McConaughey doing that, but let's tie us to the movie that bombed. <laughs> that'll make that'll work. Uh let's see what else I got here. I got one more one more thing. Um and then I think you have something as well. But uh Simon Pegg talked to JJ Abrams. Uh, or talked about J.J. Abrams' intent of Ray's parents and The Force Awakens. He said there was some talk about, you know, a kind of relevant lineage for her, but I honestly don't know, and I don't know if anybody knows. We shall see. So basically he was trying to say that um, Ray might have been related to somebody big uh, and that like Ryan Johnson took the ball and decided to like change the whole thing. And so the question was basically, is Ray like gonna, is it going to turn out that she actually has like, you know, like parents that we would know like Obi-Wan or Anakin or whoever, Luke Skywalker, who knows? So Simon Pegg is basically saying, like, the way it was originally intended, yes, but I don't know if he's going to go back to that or not. It's yeah. interesting because Abrams is taking it back over, so he can do anything that he wants to do with it. Yeah, I read something in the same interview. They He said he's she's probably uh, the Simon Pegg's character's daughter yeah but he was just kidding on that like clearly. yeah unkar plot unkar plunkett yeah i think yeah i don't know <clears throat> that's Which, like i don't no that's no. not happening he lost his arm too like in a cut scene that they didn't show in the thing but it's also in the book like he shows up to the planet right before they meet maz kanada to go after ray and like chewy rips his arm off i guess they decided to cut that (laughs) but you can totally watch it in a cutscene on the blu-ray um so you had something with rick and morty you wanted to talk about so it was just announced at c uh what was it we got a hot pocket advertisement oh good (laughs) at uh C2E2. 
that uh, IDW Publishing and Omni Press announced a crossover event on comics between Dungeon, the Dungeons and Dragons comic and Rick and Morty. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> so the way it sounds like they're going to do is basically a Dungeons and Dragger, Dragons episode of Rick and Morty in the comics. That'd be cool. Especially because Dan Harmon is a big D&D fan. Huge D&D fan. He does fan. a Harmon Town where they basically play D&D and they, they make it a podcast and then they also make it a TV show. Yeah. Um, I think it's on, what, Seesaw or something like that. CISO or something like CISO, that. I think they yeah. do Harmon Town. But you can get the podcast for free, too. Um, and then I know Dan Harmon did two episodes of Dungeons & Dragons on community yeah so i can totally see this happening yeah right on dude <laughs> yeah i've like i guess there's so many I, I i remember a couple of years ago listening to brian pusain's podcast where he had all these friends playing D D with him and uh, they were all like comedians and so i really enjoyed that for a while and i probably got through like maybe 20 episodes and kind of grew tired of it I remember being like, that's such a great idea with like the right people. And then finding out a while ago, there are like hundreds of podcasts where like people I'm are sure. putting their Dungeons and Dragons like games onto podcasts. So um, there's actually one that's going to be starting up in Helena. I think they were recording tonight and I wound up not doing it because River had her concert. But uh, I was thinking about stopping in and watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was invited to it, but uh, yeah, just didn't work out. <laughs> but yeah, apparently it's it's pretty fertile ground for podcasting. So I am not shocked that this is going to be a comic book for Dan Harmon. <laughs> but yeah, is there anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? That's all I got. All right, so take it easy. Respect the outro. Thank you for listening to the Not Safer Network. Check out one of our many other shows, Charles Orr Horror Show, Geek Lantern's Light, Movies with Wrestlers, Real Roulette, The Alien Movie Project, Montucky Skies, and We Had a Good Life.